You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Spencer Martin stretches it up the right wing for Besser and for Horvat alone, he scores! Bo Horvat on the great transition keyed by the Canuck netminder Spencer Martin and it's 5-2 Vancouver. When you win goals, games by one goal, you learn how to win a lot, so it's uh, it's important. Uh, those are those are good wins. Thoughts on your team's start here so far in the first 15 plus minutes? We suck. Good morning, Vancouver. 6:01 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. Jason, tell the fine listeners more about Kintech and everything that they have to offer, including over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. I think I think you just did it. Then. No, there's other things. What do they offer? Uh, Footwear and orthotics. There you go. Are they Canada's least favorite orthotics <laughs> provider, or are they Canada's favorite orthotics <laughs> provider? You know, I think <laughs> I think, think that'd be they quite, might the, be. quite the sales job yeah. if that was the case. Who wrote which the, which one favorite? are they? Which one are they? Who wrote this? this how you guys want to advertise? In fact, <laughs> they are Canada's. Favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Again, not Canada's least favorite orthotics provider. Guys, if you want to grow your business, we think you should actually get rid of the least favorite part and just really push the fact that you're the favorite. Or don't just say, don't even bring in yeah. least favorite People into don't the need conversation. To know that. People don't need to know that. Uh, okay, let's focus here, boys. It's 6.02. We made it through two minutes of the show before going semi-off the rails. Okay, what's happening on today's program? 6.30, David Amber, a weekly guest on our program from uh, Sportsnet NHL host. Uh, We'll look at everything that happened last night in a busy night in the NHL. Preview tonight, not a super busy night, although the Ottawa Senators and the Edmonton Oilers, so two Canadian teams, are in action. Uh, 7 o'clock, Chris Faber, Canucks Army, is going to join us after the Canucks got a win. In Buffalo last night, and the Sabres had another loss. That's six in a row for them. We'll talk to Fabes about all things Canucks at 7, 7.30. Nick Shook, uh, one of our NFL insiders from NFL.com. Uh, we'll look back at everything that happened in Week 10, preview Week 11. It gets underway with Thursday night football tomorrow night. I mentioned it's a light night in the NHL. There's 10 NBA games. There's a bunch of international soccer friendlies today featuring it's kind of like a team that's going to the World Cup and then a team that's not. They're all playing each other right when now. When does Canada play Japan? Friday, okay. Friday, and then we are just days away from Friday the at the Tacoma Dome. Did Canada used to are be they that at the team? Tacoma? They're, they're not, not at the they're Tacoma Dome. Canada's team that the other teams used to play to warm up for the World Cup. Yeah, now it's Canada doing the other yes. way around. Brazil, famously ahead of the '94 World Cup, which they won. They went to Edmonton to play Canada in a friendly. Canada tied Brazil that day. 
This is a real old man story here. When I remember, anyway. In Edmonton at right. Commonwealth. Eddie Berdusco scored. <laughs> they all had onions tied to their belts? They did. Which was the style at the time. There you go. Okay, so 7.30, Nick Shook. 7 o'clock, Chris Faber. 6.30, David Amber. Uh, there is a bunch of sprots to talk about today. But we got to start by going back and telling you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? All he does is score hockey goals. Bo Horvat, one goal, two assists for the Canucks as they beat the Buffalo Sabres, a 5-4 at KeyBank to wrap up their road trip. Uh, the Sabres' sixth straight loss, by the way. Pedersen had a goal and an assist as well. Spencer Martin, all he does is get you points in hockey games. Uh, 28 saves for the Canucks, who are now a robust 5-9-3 on the year. They end their own three-game losing streak, and now they head back home. As far as we know, Bruce Boudreaux is still the head coach of this team. So it's funny, you started off with Vancouver uh, dealing Buffalo a sixth straight loss. It was the second time on this road trip that the Canucks had beaten a team that had lost five in a row. Of course, they beat Ottawa. Sends losing a six straight time uh, to start the trip. So the bookends of the trip went well. The beginnings mm-hmm. and the ends went well. It was the uh, middle three games that were the problem. That's the analysis, folks. Now, of course, there are some people that said, frankly, the whole trip didn't look all that great because the Canucks didn't play well in the first two periods against Ottawa. And they just barely held on last night against Buffalo. Right. And again, these are teams that are scuffling in a pretty major way. I mean, five losses in a row is significant sure. in the NHL, and Ottawa had done that before they played the Canucks, and Buffalo did that before they played the Canucks. Um, it's Look, here's the first three texts that we got into the show. These all came in before 6 a.m., Rob, the, the, the not-so-super text in, does it matter that the win last night did nothing for me? I watched it, and the win did nothing to make me feel happy in any way. Not going to lie, it felt weird, not caring. When will a Canucks win mean anything to me again? Man, this sucks. Dan in Fort St. John. Guys, I think this team has broken and broken me. Late in the game last night, I, find part of my, I found part of myself hoping... Buffalo would tie it up. Really interested to see if this team takes some kind of action or if they stick their head in the sand. One more from Chayton and Surrey, and it's an early what we learned. Morning, guys. I don't care how many games this Canucks team wins this year. Major changes to this roster need to happen, and it's the only thing I'm looking for. A coaching change will do nothing unless a new coach is named interim. Uh, So the win last night... The Canucks got goals from Horvat, Miller, Petey, Bear, and Dakota Joshua. Um, there were positives from this game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they won, so that's a positive in theory. Yep. The fourth line played well. I thought Lockwood stepping in for Studnika, he played really well, got his first NHL point. Bruce Boudreaux had that fourth line out with a few minutes left. They're trying to protect a one-goal lead, which used to be a three-goal lead, but yep. alas, I digress. Uh, that line actually played with structure. And there was a time when I'm, I'm watching this, and it's crazy that I actually noticed this. 
I was like, wow, they're all in position and Buffalo's having trouble <laughs> bringing – I was like, Buffalo's having trouble bringing the puck up the ice. There's a few minutes left. I don't know if anyone else noticed this. The fourth line's out there, and I'm like, why doesn't everyone play like the fourth line mm-hmm. when they're trying to protect a two, three-goal lead, one-goal lead, whatever? The PK was a perfect three-for-three. Three. Amazing what happens when you kill all the penalties that you take. It's basically a miracle at this point for this team. And as you mentioned, Spencer Martin. Got the starting goal over Thatcher Demko and improved his record to 4-1-1. The Canucks, you know, I don't know if he played all that well last night. All he does is win hockey games. Or as a matter of fact, not lose hockey games in regulation. The Canucks have given him plenty of run support in most or all of his outings. As they have with Thatcher Demko. Uh, not as not, <laughs> not as much. Not but... as much as Spencer Martin. Uh, Spencer Martin was in there for that. 8-5 win over that was a good one. Anaheim. He was in there against Ottawa when they scored a bunch of goals, I, th- I think. Um, the bad news, if there was one player, I think, last night that I was like, yikes, what is going on with this guy? It's not OEL. It's Brock Besser. Besser was dropped to a line with uh, Dries and Hoaglander, and those three really struggled together. Besser ended up playing just over 13 minutes, mm-hmm. still without a goal. <laughs> Minus nine in just 11 games. And in case you're like, who uses plus minus anymore? His underlying numbers back up that plus minus. And, you know, as we kind of hinted at, they flirted with blowing another multi-goal lead. And for some reason, they were running and gunning with the Sabres in the third at times. Even it was, again, like Shorty's like, I don't know if this is what the Canucks want to be doing, you know. Shorty's not a guy. He just calls the game, right? Like, he he doesn't editorialize much. But there have been a a few times this year when he's questioned how the Canucks have played with a lead. And, you know, they, they good for them, I suppose. They hung on, but... You know, Bruce Boudreau, I heard that clip in the intro. He's like, well, when you win goals by one goal or one win games by one goal, you learn a lot of things. And I'm like, yeah, but you had a three goal lead. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> you, you know, well, he had guys that weren't going last night. Right. I mean, I think that's the really interesting. If there's one interesting takeaway and I get what you're saying, I, th- I don't think the takeaway from last night should be, yes, the Canucks won or oh, I'm not going to get emotionally involved even though they won. I do think that there were a bunch of different things last night that were really interesting that might either pave the way for the future or give you a better idea of exactly what this team is about. So, for example, there were guys last night that were flat out not good. Two of them were at forward. One of them was Hoaglander. The other one was Dries. They were bad. I think they were a combined minus seven, and they barely got any ice time. So usually when you're not getting a lot of ice time and you're on the ice for a lot of goals, I'm going to go out on a limb and say your coach probably isn't all that happy with you. Boudreaux played JT Miller 25 minutes last night. He says he doesn't remember playing a forward that much in a non-OT slash playoff game ever. Like, think about that. Boudreaux's coached like a million games in the NHL. And he's finally gotten to the point where for some reason or another, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that – he was desperate enough for a win that he saw a guy in JT Miller who was going last night that he played the wheels off him. He also played the wheels off Horvat. Horvat was at almost 23 minutes. Yeah, he played that line a lot, though, because I think he couldn't play the the Dries, Hoaglander, Besser line. Exactly. Much, right? Like it was, They were a complete non-factor. Yeah. And he recognized that in-game. 
But I mean, those that that is a hilarious total, Jason, for a team at the end of an Eastern road swing that's that desperate to get a win that you're playing the wheels off them. I also noticed that the deployments of the guys at the end of the game, when they were trying to hold on to a lead, which, as you pointed out, got whittled down from a three-goal lead to a one-goal lead. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a certain desperation factor there where it didn't matter who or how it was going to get done. They were going to get out of there with some kind of victory, and they did, to their credit. But it does speak to the team that that's the level. What are we, game 17 of the season? That I mean, that's not a sustainable model either. I don't think you can play JT Miller 25 minutes a night Prove me wrong, children. Prove me wrong. And also, but. let's say this was a, a good team. Yeah, right. And Not let, a team that had lost five in a row. No, but let, no, 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 no. Let's say the Canucks were a good oh, team. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Just bear with me here. I will bear. I'm struggling a little bit this morning. My Even reading those texts was a bit of a struggle. But let's say the Canucks were a good team, and they had a 5-2 lead on Buffalo, and they barely hung on to win at 5-4. Do you think their head coach after after the game is offering glowing reviews of their performance? No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I think that there's two things that were going on here. One, um, <laughs> it wasn't a great performance, and I think the fact that he said so speaks to where this team is at in their evolution. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a great performance, but he applauded them for it. Yeah. Whereas everyone else is like, really? You sure about that? <laughs> but the other thing is, is the, the thing that's hanging over all of this is, is Boudreaux going to be the coach of this team? I mean, isn't that not mm-hmm. the big the, the big thing right now? Like, no one has any idea when we everyone else wakes up. We've been awake for a while. Is he going to be the coach today? Will he be the coach on Friday when they play? Is Los, An- Los Angeles on Friday? Correct. Yeah. The Canucks have two days off before hosting the Kings on Friday, and then another two days before Vegas visits for a game on Monday. So they don't play at all on the weekend. So if they're going to make a change, if now would probably be the time. I mean, if they're going to make the time, yeah, if they're like, going to make the change, it makes sense. Yeah. Now would probably be the time if there remains, and you mentioned this yesterday and people kind of scoffed, if there remains any hope within the organization of turning this season around. Mm-hmm. Now's, now's I mean, kind of the time. We're, we're at the point now where people have openly wondered if the organization does not really want to turn things around because they're looking at this draft and going, Still think. Yeah. Still think. Yeah. <laughs> right? A dog knows. Yeah. Daniel I got plan. the inside source. Uh, I, you know, and there was another interesting thing with the, the this was courtesy of J Pat. He threw that out there. But um, Oliver Ekman Larson's ice time was way down, which you would kind of expect because he's, it's been a bit of a struggle bust for him. Didn't play in the final three and a half minutes. Quinn Hughes didn't play in the final three minutes either. Like to, to try and hang on tooth and nail to that lead. Boudreaux didn't Boudreaux I don't know whether it was a gut or whether they've been someone's been feeding him this information like you're playing the wrong guys at the wrong times try this and so it was Shen and Ethan Bear and Kyle Burrows and Myers to close it out mm-hmm. right and it worked it wasn't an oil painting but they got they, they scratched out a win in Buffalo at the end of the road swing so I you know I, I feel like my takeaway from it all was that it was a coach that knew they really really needed a win and I do want to play some uh, audio from the post game, because IMAC actually asked Boudreaux how important the win was. And IMAC said he just did it rather earnestly, like he was just talking about in the context of the season. But Bruce kind of alluded to the fact that this might have kept him alive for a few more days, the answer. So we'll play the entire exchange right now. This is Ian McIntyre talking to Bruce Boudreaux following Vancouver's 5 4 win over Buffalo last night. I feel like this was one yeah, absolutely had to have. I did, yeah. Yeah, for a couple reasons. 
So, um, but I mean, one, I mean, I meant the team. But okay. I know, I know what you meant, and but I mean, and I mean the team too. I mean, uh, uh, you just don't want to go home on a losing note with the schedule that is up ahead of us, and hopefully this gives us a little bit of confidence to play against LA next, and then and then the the gauntlet that we're going to be running after them. So the Canucks are only three points out of a playoff spot. They got 13 points. Yes. Calgary's got the second wild card spot uh, with 16 points. There are a lot of teams in this Western Conference that have a negative goal differential. In fact, only six of them have a positive goal differential. Mm-hmm. So, listen, I, I, you've heard our show. You, you don't possibly think that we're advocating to. You know, like you hang in there. You might make the playoffs, double down. Right? Like go double make it down. Together. You know, keep going. Maybe add someone. Uh, we don't think that, but we also know how this organization has operated over the last few years. And typically, if there's any semblance of hope, they're leaning into that hope, right? Um, the funny thing about this team right now is, and I tweeted this out last night. They are scoring at a higher rate than they did in 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. when they won the President's Trophy. Now, so they're going to the Cup Finals, is what you're advocating? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're scoring at a higher rate, so they might even win it win this it. time. Yeah. yeah, they'll have the goals okay. that they needed in Game Seven. So before think about uh, it, you act like I have no idea what I'm talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. I will concede that scoring is up around the league, right? Yep, obviously. Yes, it is. Right, and I will also concede that. That this current Canucks team is actually not as good as that 2010-11 team because it's a tough concession, my friend. They are allowing almost twice as many goals per that's, game. That's a problem as that 2011 team. But I just want to point out some of the individual stats for the Canucks because even allowing that there is more goal scoring than there was uh, a decade ago in the NHL. This is still impressive. Horvat has 14 goals in 17 games. 14. The NHL goal leaderboard right now is number one, Connor McDavid, and number two, Bo Horvat. Yeah. Yep. Like, look out Gretzky's 92 goals. He's in trouble. Horvat's coming. He's on pace for 68 goals right now. Petey, who I think has been the Canucks' best player, uh, offensively and defensively, has 20 points in 17 games. Miller... For all the criticism this guy has taken, and rightly so defensively, like he, the coach cannot have him out there playing center anymore. Nope. To the point that Sheldon Dries has to be out there playing center. That didn't go well either. Miller still has 10 goals in 17 games. Hughes, another guy that's drawn some criticism, and rightly so, for his defensive play this season and his puck management, has 14 assists in 13 games. Remember, he missed a few with injuries. So... You got Horvat, who's nearly a goal a game. Petey, who's more than a point a game. Hughes, who's more than a point a game. Miller, 10 goals in 17 games, so he's on pace for, I don't know, over 40 goals. The Canucks, as a team, they're a top 10 offense in the NHL. 
again, it's a faulty comparison given the increase in scoring league-wide, but the Canucks are cons- are scoring at a higher rate than they did in 2010-11 yeah. when you know they were like, wow, this Canucks team sure can pile up the goals and the power play is incredible. The power play now is better than it was back then. Yeah, the power play right now is clicking on all cylinders. The problem is defending. If they don't have great goaltending, they're going to give up a lot of goals. Uh, that's a personnel issue that Thatcher Demko, I think we can 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 safely conclude now that Thatcher Demko covered up a lot of the issues last season, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is because some of their highest paid guys are not great defenders. Uh, Miller, Besser, Horvat, Myers, OEL, Hughes. These guys get a ton of ice time. They get paid a lot of money, and some of their defensive habits and or abilities just aren't at a high level, which brings us to the question of Bruce Boudreaux. Could a coaching change help in that regard? That is the question that management has to be considering right now, and based on some of their comments, you have to assume they think that coaching is part of the problem when you continually bring up structure and systems and the defenseman not knowing where to, you know, not having any outlets to to break out the pocket, not knowing where to go. You have to assume that they at least think that that's part of the problem. So if they do, and if they think this season can be salvaged with a coaching change, are we going to see it in the next few days? That's why I brought it up yesterday, and that's why, the, that's why they scoffed at me. They laughed at me on air, but I was brave enough to take the chance that this management group would look at this team and say, yeah, this is being capable of being turned around. And a lot of people said, like, how, how can you even say that, Halford? How, what would they see? What would they look at? You just said it. How many guys are having unbelievable offensive campaigns right now? Yes, in a league where scoring has gone up. How do you I mean? Horvat, which is almost a separate conversation because of the contractual issue. Horvat's the second-leading goal scorer in the NHL. Collectively, this team is ninth in the NHL in goals for, and you look at the teams above them, barely above them, it's like... Colorado, Pittsburgh, Vegas. Uh, they're fifth in the NHL on the power play. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an elite power play right now. Yeah, they're thirty third in penalty killing, which is crazy because there's only thirty two teams. Right, there's two AHL. That's how, teams. That seems bad. <laughs> they're somehow thirty third in a thirty two team league. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. They found, a, they found a way. But like when I say this out loud, I think some people either think one, I'm stumping for uh, this decision making process, or two, I'm on board with it. I'm not. I just have a God given ability to take it out of my shoes and put myself in someone else's shoes. And I can see exactly what they would think if they thought. Well, we don't know that they're thinking that, though. I know. For sure. But that's what I'm saying. I could see what they were thinking if the answer was, yes, we believe in this group enough Mm -hmm. that we're going to make a coaching change. I would disagree with it. If I was in the room, I'd be like, I have some questions. (laughs) I'd like to to push back against that. But I'm not in that room. And a lot of the listeners and a lot of the media pundits aren't. Mm -hmm. It's a small, like, high, what's it called? A a mind hive, a hive mind, hive mind, hive mind where you call it a mind hive. That sounds cool too. Yeah, but where it's it's five or six people, mm-hmm. right? And believe it or not, sometimes you can convince one or two of those people in the room to think the way you are, right? I mean, you got to come to one decision or another eventually. Now, but it's safe to say that over the last few years, this organization, and granted, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvian haven't always been leading the hockey ops, but this organization as a whole, when there has been any reason for hope they have leaned into that yeah right I've, like that was the bubble one of the things i the bubble, putting my hand up with. you lean into that the boudreaux bump 
you lean into that. Yes. yes. And a lot of the other stuff was kind of like, well, we had a lot of injuries. And now the question <laughs> is, will they lean into Bo Horvat, 68 goal scorer? <laughs> they leaned into JT Miller, 99 pointer. See? So that's out there. That's all I'm saying. It's like, read the tea leaves, go back through history and see what's happened and see if it's a predictor for the future. It's the only way you can really look at it. You can like spout off wild theories, and I, that's fun too. Don't get me wrong. They probably think we'll Bo Horvat is having success because of his commercial with Connor McDavid. So at this point, they're trying to line up commercials yeah. Yeah. with the NHL's best defensemen, mm-hmm. try and get you know guys like Tyler Myers in those commercials. Maybe they pick up a trick or two. See, my and go my, on ca- a tear. my counter, they think this. My counter argument to all of this <laughs> would even be- such a good addition to the show. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I would bring that point up, though. Oddball like, theories, left, right, and center. Guys, do not be swayed by the commercials. We have to stick <laughs> to the plan. Uh, another one would be, well, if you guys are going to put any stock into this offensive quote-unquote explosion, maybe you need to consider that part of the reason guys are able to produce at this level is because uh, Bruce Boudreaux is their head coach. Like if this, If there's anything carryover from last year to this year, and if there's any carryover from the Boudreaux bump that still exists, it's that the offensive players that flourished under him last year are now flourishing under him again. And yeah, it could they, be because they don't play with any structure. Because they're running and gunning yeah. with a three-goal lead. I mean, I, I, like that's all I can... <laughs> they never have players can, in their own zone. It's just it the goalie back It was crazy, man. I'm like, here comes Hughes. He's in deep. What? <laughs> yeah. but that, but Barnes that's like, uh, guys, guys. But that's the thing. Like, everyone's like, oh, last year wasn't sustainable. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's sustainable. Scoring a ton of goals. Okay, if Boudreaux is offensive dynamo, couldn't we just get him an assistant coach that strictly talks defense? It doesn't work. Fixes like that. the yeah, defense. I don't think it works like this that. is a uh, this is a mentality. Is it is like an, an angel and a devil on the Canucks' yeah, shoulders? Exactly. <laughs> no, the, look when you're talking about keep like, pushing. No, maybe get back. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the mentality. Go DPUs. No, you should probably stay behind. Like Boudreaux's <laughs> Boudreaux's not really there to draw stuff on the whiteboard. He's there to tell them like how to play. Right. Yeah. It, so anyway, when you're talking about Hughes going in. Deep on a bit of a reckless play when it's what was the score at the time? Five, 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 four, three, five, I think four. five, three. That is the mentality of a team that's like, don't stop, don't stop stopping, like that kind of thing. Like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep never going, stop right? stopping, never, never stop, stop, stopping. don't stopping, it's just keep going and going and going. And that's again, a lot of teams will say in theory, well, the best defense is a good offense, and if we stay aggressive, we won't let them get the puck. But the reality is, and you pointed this out a million times, you need, and this is, I think, what Rutherford's getting at. You need certain parts of your game, certain structures of your game, where when you need to buckle down and lock down and keep a one-goal lead late, you know the exact kind of things you're going to do. You know where you need to be on the ice. You know what chances to take. I think more specifically, you know what not to do. There are certain tenets that you're not supposed to break, and it kind of seem like they break them all the time. I mean, look at the sc- the scores this year if you go through their schedule. Th- it's almost comical. Mm-hmm. They look like lacrosse scores half the time. It's a it's really high scoring. David Amber is going to join the Halford and Bruff show next on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the best. The best. Halford and Bruff. <laughs> Just getting started at the major league level as Teoscar lifts a fly ball to right center field. This one's got some carry to it, and it's going to go. Opposite field home run, Teoscar Hernandez. 
8.05 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy hump day, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. We're in that 8 o'clock hour now. A lot of morning commutes underway. A lot of people getting ready to go to work. You're getting the kids ready to go to school. Maybe you're making a lunch. Listening to us. We thank you for listening to us and uh, making us a party morning. We try and entertain. So we're actually, we have to entertain for the next hour because we didn't book any guests. So uh, I'm going to do some business first. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program is brought to you by North, or sorry, not North Star Metal Recycling. Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. This segment right now, uh, you know, you like you love Jeopardy, right? Do you still watch it? Or are you uh, out when Trebek every was once out? In yeah. Every once in a while. Every once in a while, You remember the, the potpourri category, yeah. mm-hmm. which was like all the garbage questions that well, they couldn't the find garbage it? Garbage yeah, questions. It was, that's what they should have called it. They should have called it. Celebrity. Instead of potpourri, they should have called it garbage. Mm-hmm. And it was all the leftover questions. It was just a random bunch of stuff. Right. That's what we're going to do right now, because there are a bunch of random stories that we need to get to. So to Joe Bob, who texted in, yeah, give us a couple minutes. We will get to the Nathan Rourke story, because it is a big one. To everyone that texted in about grass, yeah, man, we're really into the lawns right now, even though it's the fall. We're mm-hmm. thinking lawns 24-7. We'll get into that as well. But this place is the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. So what we wanted to do at the start of the 8 o'clock hour is reset what's going on with the Canucks this week because it's the light schedule in terms of games. They don't play again until Friday. And there's going to be a lot of days in between where we talk about things like Bruce Boudreaux's future, uh, if they can continue this this whopping one-game winning streak they've got going on right now. And we look ahead. Because the opponent's coming up. Yeah, they're good. Eesh. It's going to be a tough sled over the next little bit. So they start Friday with the LA Kings. And the LA Kings are currently in a playoff position. Second place in the Pacific Division. They've been a little up and down. They're a little inconsistent. But better than the Canucks. Uh, they've got Vegas coming to town on Monday, and we all know that Vegas is playing very well this season. Then they head off on a three-game road trip, and that starts in Colorado against the defending Stanley Cup champs. Mm. Then they go to Vegas. Yeah. And then they finish off a three-game road trip with San Jose, which you know isn't the toughest, but Hopefully they gotta, they got to get through these, these first four games first. Yeah. And I think the question hanging over the market right now and I'll be curious to see if the Canucks actually address this, is will Bruce Boudreaux be the coach on Friday night yeah. against the LA Kings? Because with the days off, the Canucks have a day off today, by the way. They're not going to practice nothing. They get a day off. They're just going to sleep. They flew back from Buffalo last They're gonna night. They're going to sleep and go, was it all a dream? No, no. You're 5-9-3. Yeah. Uh, they've got... Days off before the Kings game, and then they've got two days off between the Kings game and the Vegas game. So if if you're going to make a change, mm-hmm. if they're going to do it, at the very least, the schedule right now opens up for that opportunity because you're home, everyone's at home, you've got a few days off here and there. If you're looking at the schedule, there aren't, great opportunities after this one to make a change. So no. if they're going to do it, like I half expected to wake up this morning and for there to be a press release. I did as well. We're kind of in that stage with the Canucks right now where you're just waiting for something. So with that out there, 
I wonder if the Canucks either do make that decision, and if they do, that's a whole other conversation. Yep. But do they also go like, hey, there's a lot of speculation about the head coach right now. I'm not saying give him a vote of confidence, but is there some way, even without like a direct press release, like just so every, can you imagine the press release, just so everyone knows Bruce Boudreaux is still the head coach, or do they get that out to some of the insiders um, no. locally or nationally? I think it's going to go the other way. Here's how I see this playing out. Um, he's I, fired. I think he's yeah. I think he's gone. I, do I, you really? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah. So you you think? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you did call the Eagles losing on Monday Night Football. Do you want to hear? Do you want to so hear? You're on, a, you're on a bit of a heater right do you want, now. Well, and it's not. I just this is how I kind of th- think it's going to play out. They're going to fire Bruce Boudreaux as head coach. They're going to bring in. I wouldn't be surprised if it's talking. To yeah. be honest, it's the most it's the most obvious solution because he doesn't have an NHL job right now. He's working in broadcasting. Those are really easy. Deals but are to they get out of. settling then? Just Do they on. really want Talkit? I don't know. I, I think this is what's going to happen. They're going to bring in Talkit, and then everyone said, you know, you know what this team's going to do. They're going to go on a run at some point, and they're going to claw their way back into the fringes of playoff contention, only to ultimately fall short. Look at their schedule. That starts right at the end of November, the beginning of December, where they play nine of twelve at home, and they've got Washington. And they've been terrific at Rogers Arena. Well, I'm just saying, like <laughs> they've got Arizona, Montreal, Minnesota, St. Louis, Seattle, all those games. If you want to talk about the the new car smell or the dead cat bounce or whatever the heck that it is, where you get a, a lift, you really do believe that this management group still thinks this season is salvageable, don't you? No, I just don't. You've know. said that. Yeah, I know. Well, I have no idea what they're thinking. Because I thought that they weren't happy with the group, but then they doubled down on the group. And then yeah. I thought that they might We're be We're all a bit confused right now, aren't we? And then we? I thought they might be interested in improving their defense, but then they brought back the exact same defense. Mm-hmm. And then I thought that they were going to try and free up some cap space moving <laughs> forward, but then they committed like $100 million in salary over the summer. So I don't know what direction they're going to go in, and that's why I'm left to wildly and baselessly speculate. But this is how, if I had to take a stab at it right now, I would say they're not going to give Boudreaux a, a vote of confidence right now. It would be laughable yeah, after what they've would. said publicly. Yeah, like I'd like to take back a couple of my appearances, including the one on After Hours. No, you've already had it out there, so that's out there. There's too much smoke from a variety of insiders around the league that are like, we're certainly keeping our eye on this one, dot, dot, dot. I just wonder how much this draft plays into their thinking. It's such a deep draft, and even a... Even at like a 3% chance of landing Connor Bedard, who is not only a terrific hockey player, he's a Canucks fan who grew up in the area as a Canucks fan, like his favorite players. Talk. Even like a 3% chance of landing him. And and please you don't text in and be like, the Canucks never win the draft lottery. It, 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 you can't jank the draft odds. It never works. It's been tried. No, no, no. But just even to stay in that, like you mean miss ha- the playoffs and be in the lottery? Hey, they're well on path. Honestly, for that. honestly, like it, it. I just wonder if it plays into their thinking at all. If they're thinking about it and going, you know, like maybe we just, maybe we just keep Bruce as the coach because we don't believe in him and we don't believe that we can fix this team and that he can fix this team right now. So. Mm-hmm. Let's just, like, it's kind of like, just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going with what you're doing, and we're going to at least give ourselves a, a, a shot at Connor Bedard. I, yeah, okay. I guess there's maybe some merit to that. I think it would be a crazy way for them to operate. I think if they said... Well, they've operated in a on. pretty crazy way over the last 
decade. If it was more big picture, like, okay, maybe we just punt on this year and then all these different things could come from it, including maybe Bedard, I could kind of see it. My pushback to that would be like, are you kidding me? You can't punt on an entire season with a group that you've invested this much in. It would be counterintuitive to everything. It would also be counterintuitive to you. I don't you. know, man. It's fourth and 13. Do you think <laughs> with that... With their record? Okay. Look at it this way. <laughs> Do you think... Not, I'm not talking about the playoffs. Do you think that it would not be sage to bring in someone to teach all of these structures and systems things that you're saying are so vitally yeah, important? It's just the timing is so weird. These mid-season replacements, you don't get the full buffet of potential head coaches at, at that time and you don't have a training camp to teach these guys systems you don't have that reset you you're, yeah, so you're do like it you, now you, no i know but the only way i would like to bring the them to bring in a, a new coach is if he's their guy like no more like settling for short term fixes that you hope because you have to get alignment. If there's any doubts about the head coach, like significant doubts about the guy they hire, then it's not a good hire because then you're you don't go into it with that full belief. Now, if it comes out that there's a candidate that they've been targeting for years and actually they they wanted to hire him this offseason because but then they found out that Boudreaux actually oh he's got a second year on his deal that we have to honor so we got to keep Boudreaux. If there's a coach out there that they really want to bring in that is available, th- then go for it. But otherwise just wait. Because you don't want to, let's say you bring in another coach and that coach isn't the answer either. Then you've compounded your issues, which is something this franchise has been doing way too much. If you think of the major problems that this team has right now, how many of them would you say are self-inflicted? A lot. I don't know what percentage. 60, 70? 90% of them are self-inflicted. They didn't. They didn't have to sign Tyler Myers. They didn't have to make the Oliver ekman Larson trade. They didn't have to give JT Miller a contract extension. So it's why Drance is like, stop digging. You know, like, stop. Just just stop. Just stop making decisions that could possibly make this situation worse, that could possibly add more issues to the pile. And maybe what you just need to do is just go, okay, we're going to take a breath here. And even if you don't want to bring, if you don't want to keep Boudreaux around, like just go like Mike, yo, you're the interim coach for the rest of the season. Like you're used to doing this stuff. You did it with Philly. And what Philly did was they just said, okay, we're, we're going to get through this season and then we're going to try and figure out what's going on. And they ended up bringing in torts, right? I don't, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea that you're laying out. Right. I mean, I went with my quote unquote theory or prediction just because I can make pretty logical assumptions that if they're thinking this way, that's the direction it's going to go. What you're suggesting is maybe they think an entirely different way and there's an entirely different direction to go. The point there is. There have been so many mixed messages for but management, the, but, you know? But the behavior hasn't at any point over the last eight, nine months matched up with the messaging. That's what blows my mind every time. Yeah. I'm not. I'm misreading the situation. No, no. I mean, the, the the crazy one, l- listen, I will give a pass on not fixing the defense because people say, fix the defense. Guys, there's so many teams around the NHL that want to fix their defense. It's not easy. It's not easy to do that overnight. Like you, it, it, But what I won't give a pass on 
is them saying, we're going to clear cap space and then not clearing cap space at all. In fact, adding to the contractual obligations that they have. Right. And I, and, and, and maybe they overestimated how hard it was to clear that, but they've only made things worse in terms of obligations that, that they have. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we I d- we did promise Joe Bob that we were going to discuss this, and to be honest, we made this the preeminent offseason storyline for the Lions, so it's only right that we follow up on it. So news broke yesterday, uh, and it was the big boys doing it as well. Adam Schefter from ESPN reporting that yes, indeed, Nathan Rourke is going to be auditioning for some NFL teams in the not too distant future. Uh, According to reports, over two-thirds of the NFL teams have shown interest in Rourke. He has two workouts scheduled for November 21st and 22nd, uh, with more workouts likely to come. Now, the interesting wrinkle here, and I don't know whether this is Rourke playing his cards really tight to the vest or whether he genuinely doesn't know. The report is that he doesn't actually know what teams he's going to be working out for. I assume it will be something orchestrated by his agent. It'll be on invite only, and then whatever teams show up, they show up. The fact that this is happening. Couldn't he travel around to different teams and work out for them? They I usually, think? usually what they do, because Kaepernick had the same sort of situation, is they, they, ha- they find a facility. Okay. And then they invite X number of teams, and then the teams will send whatever level of scouts that they want to send. Um, and then it's in one centralized location. He would obviously travel around if a team is like, we want to take a second look, come mm-hmm. visit our facility, meet our coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fact that this is happening. I mean, we're in a matter of hours after the Lions season ended in Winnipeg. Leads you to suggest that, one, this has been in the works for a while. This didn't just all come to fruition the moment after they lost the Western final. And two, and this was what Three Down Nation was kind of reporting, everyone knew that this was going to happen. They just, now the the quiet part has come and been said out loud. And, and I, I, you know, it's an inevitability, right? I mean, the CFL... Just can't match the financial reward and the life-altering money that even a practice roster fringe third QB can make as opposed to a CFL Well, it's also a guy who's only 24 years old and he wants to see if he can play at the highest level. Because a lot of guys in the CFL have gone down there far later in their careers. Mm -hmm. Who was the most recent one? I think, I mean, I know there's been other ones, but I think Ricky Ray went down when he was in his 30s. Yeah. Almost. And you just kind of wonder, with the hindsight being what it is, if you had gone down there closer to your peak athletic prime and where you still had room to grow, if you, I mean, who knows what Nathan Rourke can be at the yeah. NFL level. But I know this, after you get past the starters, there's a lot of not good quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and he should try and find out yeah. what he can be. Uh, and this is what he told reporters yesterday. I never had a true opportunity at the NFL level, not as a quarterback. And there's always been something... And that's always been something that I've wanted to at least try for a very long time. I'm fortunate to have an opportunity and see where that goes and understand that I have a heck of an opportunity still here with the Lions. Now, where does that leave the Lions? That leaves them kind of going, uh... <laughs> well, it tells you where they <laughs> so what, what should we do here? Because... got to go and get a quarterback. Well, maybe. What if he goes down there and he's like, ah, actually, the opportunity isn't right and I'm coming back. I mean, Chris Strevler, who someone just texted in, is one of the more recent ones to go. He's, I read an article about him kind of prepping for this. He's been back and forth between being a practice squad guy mm-hmm. and a third quarterback in the NFL. So he's not on an active roster routinely, and he stayed down there. 
in part because and I was re- I mean this is how far down the weed or how deep into the weeds I got on this. If you serve a certain amount of time as a practice squad player slash NFL roster player, you become eligible for their pension. Yeah. And that's a big deal because that's a lot of money setting you up for your future. So mm-hmm. even if Rourke doesn't land as a, let's say, a backup quarterback somewhere, even if he's in the mix and they say, look, we think there's some real potential for you, that might be enough to bypass coming back to the CFL. I'm so torn on this one because I want Nathan Rourke to be a BC Lion. I want him to come back next season. You know, the Lions are hosting the Grey Cup in a couple of years. I'd I'd love him to be the quarterback for that. But I also want him to succeed down in the NFL. I think that would be really cool. A Canadian quarterback down in the NFL playing, the that would be goal. awesome. The last guy I remember bursting onto the scenes with the Lions like this where you were like, oh, he's going to the CFL is Cam Wake. Mm-hmm. Where it was just like he just play, he was so good and so dominant that you were like, okay, it's you just kind of let him go. It's like yeah. when your teenager is ready to leave the move out after graduation. Like you're ready to go now, or in some cases when you're thirty, you think like it's time to go now. Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen, please tell me Cody Fajardo isn't the next starting quarterback for the Lions. I can't. Well, I can't just, not tell you. Yeah, that. you can't. You can't. Can't <laughs> rule it out at, at this point. It seems know? really likely that he's going to be the starting quarterback. To be honest, if you want to extrapolate it out, is, because, would anyone be excited for the return of Vernon Adams next season? I I wouldn't be. No. Like I, I think he he got the job done in that he kept the Lions afloat and went out and won a few games for the Lions while Rourke was hurt. But if Vernon Adams comes back, is anyone thinking Grey Cup for the BC Lions? Is anyone excited about that? I think what you saw with Nathan Rourke in BC was just what a, what a great story a quarterback can do for an organization. And throughout the years in BC, we've seen that before. Like, Doug Flutie, people went out to the stadium to watch him play. And okay. people were doing that with Nathan Rourke this year. And frankly, it's been one of the weaknesses of the CFL. This is a league that produced quarterbacks. Like we mentioned Flutie and before him, that was Warren Moon. Like they had these guys that were really mm-hmm. legit good and legit stars. And they just haven't created enough of that in the last few years. The Lions had, the Lions had that this year. But will we look back and go like, well, that was a fun eight weeks. Well, right? I, I'm glad you brought that point up because the final you know, kind of marker I wanted to make on this was this is a blow for the Lions. It's also a big blow for the CFL because if you look down the road, you're going to have the recycled QB program going on. Bo Levi Mitchell just got traded to Hamilton, and he looks like he's going to be the projected starter there. Yeah, Co- I've, The Cody Fajardo back to BC thing has been hanging in the air for months. This isn't the first time that I've heard this. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you're, makes sense. you're all of a sudden you're talking about a league where it's like Zach Kalaros is the most outstanding quarterback in the league in Winnipeg because he kind of plays for the best team and has the best yeah. weapons around him. McLeod Bethel Thompson <laughs> is a Super Bowl quarterback <laughs> in Toronto. Great Cup, not Super Bowl. Sorry, Great Cup uh, in Toronto. And then you look at it and you're like, well. What's, ha- what's happened to the position in the league because there's not a ton of talent yeah. and what little talent there is available, all the teams are grabbing at it desperately. Jake Mayer could still pan out. Well, he is going to have to because they just got rid of Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not a good situation for the Canadian Football League. What the CFL's gain might end up being a major loss for the CFL. And I can't believe I called it the Super Bowl, but all the worlds are colliding right now. Nathan Rourke's going to try out in the NFL. Super Bowl's in Regina. Go get Sunday. him. I can't wait for the halftime show starring those three guys. Yeah. yeah well, Who were they from? What a lineup. Were they from like Florida, Georgia line? I, I, I that don't country know. Group? I've never heard of any of them. 
Do, I, I don't know. But then again, I also don't listen to a lot of country, so or, uh, a, or any for that matter. Hold on. Didn't let's... Florida Georgia Line do something with Nelly? Yeah, the cruise song. Yeah, that cruise song. Cruise. All yeah. right. We're okay, going to cruise <laughs> into this next segment. It's called What We Learned. Hold on. Let's just get this straight so we don't sound like those guys with the CFL, okay? It's called the, God bless it, the Twisted Tea Great, the Great Cup <laughs> halftime show. Have you had a Twisted Tea before? Oh, yeah. I like them. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. What's it? Is it? I've, I haven't My had God, it. just keep going. Why do we get? We're getting, we're getting sidetracked by our sidetracks. Uh, Jordan Davis. Oh, yes. Tyler Hubbard mm-hmm. of the Florida Georgia line. And then Can- yeah. Canada's own Josh Ross. And the son of is- the guy that played Huggy Bear. <laughs> Josh Ross, of course, of the uh, Saskatchewan Manitoba line. Right. <laughs> He just lines up on the border and sings pleasing songs to both fan bases. Okay, let's Send go. in your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We'll read them on the other side. Halford, Bruff, Sportsnet, 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.